If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, how many of you think of Christmas when you, when you hear 2 Corinthians chapter 8? 2 Corinthians is one of those weird books that we, uh, that we, we don't know much about, at least I don't. I don't think of it often. But it has one of the most amazing little statements about why Christ came. And it's in verse 9. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Now what, what the Apostle Paul is doing in that chapter is, um, well, if you don't know, can you guess? Can you guess what he's trying to do? What is he trying to get the people in Corinth to do? Any ideas? If you don't know already, he's trying to get them to give money. And uh, that's what the whole chapter is about. It's about these people in Corinth giving money to other Christians in other places who are being persecuted and who need support. And um, that's the context. And this little couple of verses at the beginning has some of the most amazing images in it that I can think of when it comes to things that don't normally go together. Um, Listen to these words. Uh, How many of you kids have ever done the science fair project where you take, um, is it soda and what's the other thing, vinegar? Is that what it is? And it blows up? You put those two things in the little container and you make the, uh, you put red food coloring in there and you make the, the volcano, right? Think of that when you read this. Listen to this. Verse 1 of Second uh, Corinthians 8. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, so the soda is the abundance of joy. The vinegar is extreme poverty. And what blows up out of that is a wealth of generosity overflowing. It's amazing what the grace of God does. But that's not what I want to talk about. That's the context. What I want to talk about is verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. I want you to think about this with me. How was Jesus Christ rich? Before he came to this earth. How was he rich? What do you think? Call out some things. How was Jesus Christ rich before he came to this earth? Anybody? Yeah, he owned a cattle on a thousand hills and still does. What else? How was he rich? He, he shared the glory of God. He was the glory of God. Uh, Jesus says in, in uh, John 17, um, verse 5, he says, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. 
glory of God, exact representation of God. Incredible riches. What else? How else would you think of the, the, how does the Bible describe the riches of Jesus Christ before he came to this earth? Can you think of any other passages of Scripture that point us in that direction? That's not a hypothetical question. <laughs> Anybody? What's that? Okay, he was one with the Father, right? I and the Father are one. What else? Do you remember um, Philippians chapter 2? Just using the words of Scripture to get the fullness of this, it says he existed in the form of God. Right? What about this one? Colossians 1, 15, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body of the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Do you understand the riches and the glory of Jesus Christ? Do you have high enough thoughts of him? If you don't, this verse won't make sense to you. And Christmas won't make sense to you either. Gloriously rich, equal with God, Preeminent, first place in everything. Angels worshiping him. Never being disappointed. Always having his way. Can you think, can you imagine, even just for a moment, the glory and the riches of Jesus Christ? He says... You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. How did Jesus Christ become poor? He did not stop being God. He did not stop being glorious, although he did veil that glory with flesh, as we sing. He did not stop being worshipped by angels. But he did humble himself. He took on weak, limited frail human flesh. He took on a body just like yours that could get hungry, that could get thirsty, that could get tired, that could feel pain, and that could die. He did not float around in, uh, in a mist of serenity and calm like you see the pictures of him. He suffered everything that you and I suffer. And he also took on a human nature that could feel the bite and the pain, the emotional pain of rejection and loneliness. All of the pain that we feel, he could feel it too. 
He has felt it. It's very hard for us to realize how simply becoming a man was almost infinite poverty for Jesus Christ. The gap is so huge between what he had before he came and what it was like after he came that we can't even begin to imagine it. And then he was born not just as a man, which is bad enough, but as a poor man with nothing. And he kept having nothing. The Son of Man, he says, has no place to lay his head. The foxes have dens, the birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. Do you believe, do you understand the poverty of the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, Many will tell us today that um, actually Jesus Christ, if he was here today, would be driving a Rolls Royce and would have on golden rings and um, a huge crowd of rich, healthy, good-looking men and women following him. then what does this verse mean? He became poor. And it says he did all of this for your sake. He was born for you. He didn't just die for you. He took on a body that feels everything that you do. He took on a human nature that feels all of the emotional pain that you do. And he did it all for your sake. Why? To what end? Look at this verse again. It says, he did all of this so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus Christ became poor so that you would become rich. And that, of course, assumes that you and I start out as what? (laughs) As poor. As very poor. What does our poverty look like? If you think of the, of the, the riches, the glory of Jesus Christ before he came to this earth, And the contrast is with our poverty now that we live in all the time that we're born into. If you don't see that contrast, this doesn't make sense. What is your poverty like apart from Jesus Christ? What does the Bible say about you apart from Jesus Christ? Anyone? What does it say? What's that? Dead. You are dead in trespasses and sins. Dead. Powerless. What else? What's that? Without hope in the world. What else? The best things that we could do like filthy rags. What else? What's that? No peace. Only conflict. Titus, uh, Paul says in the book of Titus, hating and being hated. What about um, Hebrews 2.15 says that everyone is, is subject to slavery all of their lives through the fear of death. 
shackled by the fear of death. Romans 8.21 talks about being slaves to corruption. 1 Corinthians 2 says that we can't understand the things of God. We can't even understand them. Complete poverty, complete bankruptcy, complete nothing. Poor. Do you really believe that? If you don't believe that, this verse will mean nothing to you. It says, but for your sake, he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. He became what he was not so that you could become what you are not. Rich. Think of that. I mean, really think of it. Not in a sentimental warm, fuzzy way because it's Christmas time. But think of it. What does your richness look like? What does your richness look like? You see what your poverty is like. If you know Jesus Christ, what does your richness look like? Someone get me started. What's your richness look like? What do you have in Jesus Christ that you did not have apart from Him? Think of all the things that you didn't have. No peace, no hope, no fellowship with God, no acceptance with God, no love from God, no mercy from God, no joy from God. That's what your poverty looks like. What does your richness look like? Full acceptance from God. Full access to God. The Holy Spirit of God working in you. The spotless righteousness of Jesus Christ given to you to cover you completely. An inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you. Power from God to kill your sin and to walk with Him. You have all of that and infinitely more if you have known the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how this verse starts. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you? Do you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? This word know is an interesting word. Um, in English, we have one word for know, and it means know. <laughs> it means, you know, to, to know about something, basically. Greek has different words for know, and this is the word that means not just know in your head, but know by experience. It's the difference between knowing the mailman and knowing your husband or your wife. This is the one that means knowing them intimately, 
knowing them by experience. Not just knowing about in your head, but knowing in your life. Do you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you taste it? Because these riches are for those who know and experience and taste the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he is here right now offering himself to you to taste and see that he is good. Will you take him? Have you tasted him? He is here offering his grace for you to know. Now, I said at the beginning that Paul wrote this verse in the middle of an appeal for generosity from this church in Corinth. Why do you think he does this? Why does he write a verse like this in the middle of an appeal to a church to give money? Why would Paul do that? Um, Guilt trip? Emotional manipulation, you know, if you, if, if you won't do it because, um, because I'm telling you to, I'll bring out the big guns and bring Jesus into this and then maybe I'll make you give. Is that what he's doing? Why bring this verse in here? Well, Paul knows something about Jesus Christ and he knows something about everyone who has tasted his grace. One genuine glimpse of Jesus Christ will change you. Not just change what you do, but it will change you. Can you look at Jesus Christ and be greedy? I mean, can you really look at him and really see him like this verse describes him and still be greedy? Can you look at Jesus Christ and be proud? Can you look at Jesus Christ and be lustful? Can you look at Jesus Christ and be selfish and petty and bitter and jealous? Can you? When we are greedy and proud and lustful and selfish and petty and bitter and jealous, we are not drinking from this fountain of living water, we're drinking from mud puddles. And of course, Christians who have seen Jesus Christ can be greedy and angry and proud and lustful and selfish and petty and jealous. But never when they're looking at Jesus Christ. When we're greedy and proud and lustful and selfish and petty and bitter and jealous, we're not seeing Jesus Christ and we're not tasting his grace. And so I urge you tonight on Christmas Eve, even if it's for the first time, even if it's for the thousandth time, the ten thousandth time, look at Jesus Christ. Look at him. Look at him. Stop looking at yourself. And look at him. See what he has done. See what he is like. 
you will find in him more mercy than your sin will ever need. You will find in him more power than your weakness could ever need. You'll find in him more beauty than your twistedness and ugliness will ever need. You'll find in him more humility than your pride will ever need. You'll find in him more comfort than your pain would ever need. If you'll look at him. And if you'll see him by faith. Will you look at him? Will you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? Or will you brush him off again? Will you continue in your veneer? The veneer of being a Christian that just sits right on the surface of your life and never does anything to you? Or will you look at him and be changed? I urge you to look at him. Men have always been amazed by Christ when they've looked at him. Augustine, from way back, wrote these words. He says, Man's maker was made man, that the bread might be hungry, the fountain thirst, the light sleep, the way be tired from the journey, the strength, that strength might be made weak, that life might die. Though he was rich, he became poor for your sake. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, said it this way. He says, infinite and yet an infant, eternal and yet born of a woman, almighty and yet nursing at a woman's breast, supporting a universe and yet needing to be carried in a mother's arms, heir of all things, and yet the carpenter's despised son. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Praise his name. Pray with me.